0: Welcome. You're listening to But Seriously, What is Engineering? With me, Katiki Gupta. This is a podcast series from the University of Queensland that explores all corners of engineering. By embracing every opportunity and playing to their strengths, Rebecca Pickering and Trang Phan were able to follow a non-traditional path through their engineering career. Thanks for joining me today. Rebecca, I'm going to start with you. Tell us about how you chose to study engineering and the path you took after completing your studies?
1: Well, I was always pretty good at sort of maths and science at school. That's what interested me. And, you know, those years when I was being forced to think about what I wanted to do at university, engineering kept kind of cropping up as a real theme. So it wasn't a a difficult choice I just needed to find a little bit more out about what the different disciplines were and I was definitely over the tactic of playing to my strengths. I didn't really know any engineers actually at that point so I didn't really know necessarily where it led to as a career but certainly in terms of appealing to me and my interests and my strengths you know I wanted to find out and know more about it and, and get involved. Certainly where I lived you know, there were lots of engineering sort of companies around. So for me, it looked like a really clear career path that you could find work afterwards. And that was something that certainly was, was I was driven by that I wanted a, a vocational course of some kind that I felt that once I left university, I was more immediately employable. And for me, engineering um, sort of seemed to tick that box.
0: So fast forward 20 uh, 20- odd years and you don't work as an engineer what do you do now what does a day in your life look like in your career well
1: throughout my entire career I've always worked very closely with engineers Um, I think I realized during my study that whilst I loved engineering it wasn't my true calling but I loved the industry but I just couldn't see me doing some of the detailed engineering work day in day out Uh, But I'm fascinated by all things science and engineering. And I found that my strength was actually in working with engineers to support them get their work done. And, And that's a lot of what my career has been doing subsequently. I've worked in a number of different engineering sectors, both in infrastructure, energy and oil and gas, and always supporting engineers to get their message across or to shape policy and law That helps them innovate and improve um, things like renewable energy systems, uh, power station approvals, Um, always working to support, you know, general engineering progress uh, and outcomes, getting involved in really big projects. Um, So, yeah, a day in my life today is often about talking to key members of government, key members of the community about a big engineering project that will impact their community. And a big part of my job is about explaining those impacts, but also the benefits and opportunities uh, for the community to really help those engineering um, aspects um, take shape and become reality.
0: Great. Rebecca, you you mentioned before you're a big believer in sort of playing to your strengths. And at high school, your strengths was math and science. During your career, you realised your strengths were communication. How quickly do you realise that? I don't think I really um, understood it till,
1: you know, a fair bit later in my career uh, that I was, you know, quite good at, you know, explaining, you know, engineering things. And and I had a passion for that. I actually enjoyed meeting people and being quite uh, social. And and in a way, I reflect back now that, uh, you know, if I wasn't an engineer, I often say I I would be a teacher, you know, because I actually really enjoy explaining and, and helping people to understand things. So I don't know that there was a particular point that I I realised, you know, I was was good at some of that communication stuff. In fact, I think it was the people that I worked with and for that recognised it and actually pushed me into that space and, you know, got me on board helping me engage with communities or with, you know, governments um, to to help further, you know, what they were trying to achieve.
0: Over to you now, Trang. Tell us about the non-traditional path that you've taken after completing your engineering studies.
2: Well, when I completed my engineering studies, I loved the industry, but I knew that technical engineering wasn't my strong point. I applied for grad jobs, got denied, got accepted. It was a rollercoaster of a journey. Um, But I decided to do six months in retail um, that was continuous of my previous casual job. So I worked in retail management for full time. And it was the most amazing experience I have ever done. And I was thinking, wow, this it's such a great feeling. How can I try to marry my, my passion for engineering industry, the science and the maths and the innovation technology that comes with it, but also be able to be involved with people and talk to different perspectives and try to create solutions that are really for our diverse community. And so that was really my, my drive for my career so far.
0: So you mentioned retail. Where did you work?
2: I worked at Kiki K.
0: How come you didn't choose to study a business degree?
2: I actually did study a business degree. So I did a Bachelor in Marketing um, here at UQ as well. And that it was an eye-opener for me, to be honest, because um, I found that when the engineering degree that I did, even though it was great technically, it didn't really, I believe, give you much creativity in terms of the solutions that you're finding. With business, when you are engaged with people and you are looking, especially with marketing, when the end user is in mind, how can we engage with them? How can we talk to them and putting that in an engineering context just made sense to me. And so if I could encourage anyone to do a dual degree with business and engineering, I say go for it because it will give you much opportunity tenfold than what you think.
0: It does give you endless opportunities and that's exactly what I did as well. Mm. I did an engineering and finance degree Mm. but also followed it up with an MBA. So definitely opens the door to many opportunities. Rebecca, over to you now. You said before we started this podcast, you mentioned you moved countries at a very young age with your partner and with not much experience as an engineer or working with engineers. Tell us a bit about that. You can probably tell by my accent, I was born, accent? And
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> born and grew up in uh, the north of England. Um, so I studied chemical engineering uh, at Newcastle University and then I worked for a couple of years. I was recruited as a graduate engineer um, by a water utility, actually, but literally um, turned up on um, you know day one. Mm. It was a grad engineering induction program that ran for a week, and at the end of it, they realised oh, somebody hadn't actually shown up to take their place on the business graduate stream of, of the the graduate program, and they just asked, "Does anybody want to, you know, switch the the program that they're on?" and I, my hand shot up. It was just a, a gut reaction. And uh, that was the moment that really I switched paths from an engineering mm. path uh, to a much more business focused path. Uh, and it was really one of those sort of sliding doors moments, you know, where you got this sort of um, strange opportunity, a, a little crossroads that you didn't, didn't actually really pay any attention to the decision I was making really at the time, but it just felt right. Um, and I often look back at that moment as being quite, quite key in me uh, stepping out of the Literally, <laughs> on the day I was supposed to start and be an engineer, uh, into a pathway that was much more, you know, in a in the business and the general support of engineering uh, industries. Anyway, fast forward a couple of years, I then uh, moved countries, you know, which was a you know a wonderful experience. You know, I had a couple of years under my belt with with a good company in the UK, but when I you know arrived in Australia, uh, it was you know daunting uh, to be looking for work. Ooh. When I didn't have, you know, a couple of years of engineering experience under my belt, as it turned out, I had, you know, a a Mm. sort of a broader, less clear path that I'd been taking at that point. So that certainly was a bit frightening when Mm. I I turned up. I didn't rule out ever going back to that engineering pathway when I got back to Australia, but it it was just a case of looking for opportunities that that would play to my strengths, um, that I had that strong technical base and knowledge, mm. but my experience was a bit like E-Trang, mm. had become more businessy mm. in that immediate aftermath of studying my degree.
2: Mm. Completely agree um, with you, Rebecca, because after I did my thing at Kikik, I went into a role as a business and IT systems analyst f- mm. for the Department of Education, which is completely off-culture with your engineering degree. But then when the opportunity presents itself, you're just like, well, why not? like the more you learn about i guess the different roles around the industry that engineers can support i think the more you know your strengths and how you can bring them to your role so yeah it's amazing i think how life plays out
1: i think it's part of the beauty of engineering that it opens up uh, a you know wealth of very you know technical pathways mm. that you can indulge in for an entire career Hmm. or only briefly, but it doesn't close off any other pathways either. Completely.
2: Because I think when you're studying it and you're experiencing it, you get all these really abstract ideas applied in reality and that can be applied to so many different career paths that don't hold it back really.
0: Rebecca, I'm keen to hear from you. So, you obviously chose business as your stream on day one of your career which is quite different to what you obviously studied at, in, at university. And since then, you've worked in business streams and managing people and teams. Have you had any mentors that you've been able to bounce your ideas off or take that non-traditional parts or, you know, I, I guess those risky parts into the non-traditional ways? Like how, how have, you, have you been able to discuss that with anyone? First and foremost, I, I always support people having mentors and
1: having you know multiple mentors. You know, it's always an opportunity to get the benefit of someone else's wisdom, mm-hmm. perspective, and to get their insights about you and and how they can how they see you and opportunities and you know your opportunity for growth and and how you might consider opportunities that are presented to you so yeah i've had a number of mentors during my career Um, those that are engineers but also those that you know are in quite different professions and i I value all of them because they actually bring diversity of perspective you know i'm very appreciative and you know remain generally in contact with all mentors i come across in my career and also now try and do the same for for others you know whether it's young engineers or or any People sort of who are in the early stage of their career, um, I can offer perspective, but ultimately, you know, everything has to be your, your choice and what's right for you.
0: Trang, you um, are heavily involved with the Women in Engineering Alumni Council here at UQ, and you have a passion to be involved in gender equity mm. programs like, you know, the UQ Women in Engineering. What stems your passion and drive for that involvement?
2: My passion is really representation and diversity. And the inclusion that comes with that. I think that from my experience being a person of colour, but also being in a really male dominant industry, I think it's really important that women feel supported and they feel enriched in their career choices. And that's really what drives me in doing what I do. Because I feel that as a as a person who's an engineer who's doing well in their career, it's a responsibility of mine to pave the way for other Young female engineers. So, as you said, I'm involved with the UQ Women Engineering Alumni Council, but also involved with Engineers Australia's Women Engineering um, Committee. And for us, it's all about attracting, retaining, celebrating, supporting women, because the industry itself, I think, does lack that that cycle a little bit. That we right now we're very focused on attracting young women into our industry, but we're losing women at a much higher rate than we are attracting them. So, what can we do? to complete the cycle to make sure our industry is sustainable for young females everywhere.
0: Mm, That's a really good point. So I guess, you know, we're really good at attracting, as you Mm. said, but it's the retention and um, keeping them. What else can we do really to Mm. retain uh, women? Um, Rebecca, what's your thoughts on that? Well, what sprung to mind when you talked to me there, but I'm pretty confident that
1: um, I saw over the weekend on a website that and I feel terrible that I can't remember the lady's name, but Australia has just appointed its uh, first um, female CEO of the Institute of Engineers or the mm. chief engineer. Bywin Evans, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um So I was really delighted to see that. Mm. I'm glad you're <laughs> not <really> just <laughs> dreaming it up. You know, uh, so in terms of, you know, an ultimate you know role model, you know, for, for women in engineering mm. to see, you know, such a sort of a key uh, position uh, now held by uh, a woman that's, That's, I think, really inspiring. I was really delighted to see that, to see women in engineering, you know, getting greater profile. Mm -hmm. My view, it's all about having, you know, the role models. Uh, You know, when I first started work, Mm -hmm. there weren't that many female engineers around. You know, I didn't really have them to look Mm -hmm. at. But throughout my career, there have started to be more and more, mm. um, you know, and now I'm seeing more and more young female engineers come through, which is really, really
2: pleasing. Yeah, I think it's exactly what Rebecca said about mentoring, is that when there are a lot of young female engineers and they're looking towards the future in their industry, they're like, well, who has who is someone who's done this before? What are the pitfalls I can fall into? What are the opportunities I should really be looking for? By having a lot of female, senior female engineers who are there to give them counsel, I think that is what the industry needs but it's not necessarily what's happening right now.
0: Both of you have taken a um, non-traditional path to engineering, never really Mm. done any design work. What are some of the strengths you think that really play a big part of taking that non-traditional path Mm. and working with engineers? It's good
1: to always understand... Um, the, the field that you are working in, so mm. you don't have to be an engineer to be, say, you know, a, a general manager in a mm. a big, you know, energy company. But it does help if you do really understand the underlying principles that are driving the realities of the either the mm. product you're producing or the service you're providing. It, it just helps, um, and, and I find that um, being an engineer has often. Provided me a seat at the table. It has created, whether it's right or wrong, it has created respect for me in the business from the engineers that I'm working and supporting. Mm. Um, The fact that I am an engineer, I think, has been a positive thing. It's not that I couldn't have done what I was doing without being an engineer, Mm. but it's definitely been a very positive feature uh, Mm. of what I can bring uh, by truly understanding what they are dealing with but then adding value in the way that I can to Mm. that by knowing and understanding what they're doing.
2: For me, it's being an engineer and then not going down that route. I've been able to kind of act like a liaison between engineers and other stakeholders on, on, on that plane. So when I worked as a civil engineer with the Department of Transport and Main Roads, that requires a lot of community stakeholder engagement and a lot of internal and external comms. But being an engineer, understanding, well, what are the pain points of a technical project, but then what are the pain points of the community and how can we evolve and how can we discuss this on a really constructive manner is, I think, one of the, the best things about being an engineer, but then also trying to leverage your strengths, essentially.
0: Rebecca, you mentioned in one of our earlier conversations that you had chosen the chemical engineering pathway very early on, even as early as when you were a high school student. So here at UQ, we offer a flexible first year where students get a taste of all areas of study and then they get to choose what discipline they want to study. How did you choose that chemical engineering pathway right at that age? For those listening, it, it, I'll explain why you had to make that choice straight
1: out of school. Um, the, the the cutover point between school and university in the UK, at least back in my day, was was slightly different. So you stayed at school a bit longer and furthered your, your science and maths. And then you went straight into what was a three-year honours degree. So it was, you know, it's a little bit different to, to the structure here. Uh, but it meant you started your specialisation in, in engineering from the start. Mm. There was... So, so that was just the way it was, but but yeah, how I came to be to want to be specifically a chemical engineer was um, as I mentioned. I, I grew up in the north of England in a town called York, and York is famous for a couple of things. One is Vikings, and if you've ever been to England, I recommend you go to York. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful city, um, amazing, you know, historical buildings, and mm. it's really quite cool. The other thing that York is famous for. Is its chocolate industry back in the early part of the sort of twentieth century? Uh, there were some, you know, a couple of very large chocolate factories um, founded in York, and I used to drive past one of them. It's called Round Trees. It's not really a brand that's known today. Uh, Round Trees was bought out by Nestlé whilst I was at school, but the factory that I would drive past every day manufactured what were, even at the time, some of the biggest brands in the world, and remain that so. The Kit Kat was mm. the sort of humble staple of the chocolate industry uh, was was originated in, in York. So that's what I would smell every day driving mm. uh, to school.
2: What a commute. Uh, it's, uh, it's
1: pretty crazy. It's one of these things that I actually am uh, not that huge a fan of chocolate. I think I, I, it was just so accessible back then. But uh, when I was in about year nine or 10, uh, I had the opportunity to go on a tour of, of the factory where you actually get to see, you know, the production line. And that was really the moment where I first, I think, really understood the connection between the science that I was doing in the lab at school, the sort of Mm. the chemistry, and and, and then suddenly understanding that that's really all that this chocolate factory was, was chemical processes, Mm. but scaled up, like, to a mega-impressive and obviously- delicious smelling sort of (laughs) scale. And to see that production line and obviously the work that had gone into perfecting that process and making it sort of Mm. replicable and obviously hygienic and efficient. And it it was just amazing. And and so that's really where I, I started to understand well that's what chemical engineers do. They take those scientific sort of lab scale things and, and turn them into something that's actually commercial and marketable and, and accessible to everyone. Um, and that was what you know, really excited me. And, and that was when I first thought, that's it, chemical engineering.
0: What a great story. Chocolate, Chocolate brought that love for chemical engineering. <laughs> I love it. Trang, tell us a little bit about your career path after Ooh. you completed your engineering studies at university
2: after I completed my engineering studies, I was a bit of a lost lamb, to be honest. I was not very good at my degree. I extended it by a few years because I failed the subject maybe three, four times. Um, And I was like, is engineering the industry for me? I'm obviously not very good at it. So I did apply for grad jobs and it was a tumultuous experience, as anyone can tell you. But in the end, I decided to actually go into retail management for a few months. And that really opened my eyes, I think, to the business side of the world. Um, Being able to manage people, do resourcing, do HR, and all of those elements really helped me, I think, in my career and set me up of understanding how commercially the world works, but also how engineering works within that realm. Um, After that, I actually became a, a systems and business IT analyst for the Department of Education, which is Really weird, because I was like, I'm neither a teacher. Education was not on my radar and neither was IT. After the, the job interview or when I got the job, my director said to me, you got the job train because you did an engineering degree. You know technical elements. You can take these abstract ideas and you can really frame them in a way that makes um, makes sense to other people. That was, the, to me, was such a big shock to me, because for me, I thought engineering was technical, but it had to be applied within the industry. You had to be like a civil engineer, a structural engineer, and you do structures, and that was it. For someone outside of my industry to say, "What actually, we value your engineering knowledge, was amazing. From then on, I've really tried to develop my career in a way that allows me to develop both my skill set of probably talking too much and all of that elements, but then my engineering technical degree. So it's, that's, and then after that, became a engineer with um, TMR. A department of transport and main roads working in their project delivery office, so delivering projects, roads for communities. But then after that, a civil engineer with Oricon working on the consultancy side. So it's been a very multifaceted career, but throughout all of that, managing degree has helped me throughout the whole journey.
0: Fantastic. What a career path you're on now. What a career path. I'm sure there's lots of other opportunities you're coming your way.
2: (laughs) Hopefully. Call me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Rebecca, you mentioned that you jumped into the business stream on day one of your career. Why didn't you choose to study a business degree instead?
1: Look, at the time when I was having to make the choices, I didn't really understand that whole business component of mm. of work at all really i mean i think that's one of the things about making those choices when when you are so young and, and i think i knew i i needed a you know what i felt was more of a foundational skill something that could open up lots of mm. platforms and and make me employable from day 1 so so that was part of what drove it and i think i always felt that and certainly what i realize now is, is that the business stuff is is a big part of that is what you pick up just in the experience of doing a job. So just as Trang was describing, you know, Mm. you got your experience in retail. Mm. But yeah, the the opportunity to um, learn all the commercial aspects, uh, the people aspects, communications, you know, strategic economic Mm. issues, a lot of that I think you just learn as part of life. I learned more about, you know, economics and finance by buying a house than, you know, I I felt that I was going to from a like studying a degree at that point. Mm. uh, Now, having said all of that, you know, I did ultimately go on to study uh, an MBA, you know, majoring in in finance, because it is, uh, you know, actually important to to really, truly understand that. But at the time, you know, to establish a career, you you know, I really feel like engineering is a very, very strong base to give yourself. Mm. Uh, And then all of those other skills, you just can keep building from there.
2: Completely. I think with, like, a lot of times people think business and engineering don't go together, but a lot of the constraints that you get from engineering are usually business decisions. And so understanding the drivers behind that can really, I think, enhance your the solutions that you're delivering as an engineer.
1: Absolutely. Every engineer actually needs uh, a commercial person mm. to to make what they're doing viable so mm. that the two are quite symbiotic, really. Yes. Um And, um, you know, but my preference was to start on that engineering side Mm. and and build that business skill um, through more experience than through study Mm. initially.
0: Well, we've reached the end of the episode, but before we go, we're going to get to know you a little bit better. So are you ready for some fast facts?
2: No. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go for it.
0: (laughs) Okay. Are you a beach or a snow person? No. Snow. Mm -hmm. Oh, both of you snow right even after your holiday, Rebecca in the sunshine. Yeah, I just got back
1: (laughs) to (laughs) the speech, and and I loved that as well. But yes, snow.
0: An early bird or a night owl.
2: Early bird. Early bird. Early bird.
0: Great! I think most engineers are early birds. I'm definitely uh, an early bird too. I
2: like, no, I say I'm an early bird, but if you ask anyone in the office, I'm the latecomer. So I don't know. If <laughs> yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, they would yeah, be yeah, like, true, "Are true. you sure, Yeah.
0: <laughs> right, and the last one: if you could go on a holiday right now, where would it be? Japan.
2: Oh my god, I was going to say Japan too. Are we go. the same person? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> holiday hotspot, Japan. Why why Japan?
2: I think the Japan for me, it's a it's a different culture, but such a a warming culture. The people really welcome you there. You learn so much about their history, and like it doesn't hurt that the food's also delicious. It's so easy to commute around. It's such a a friendly place, and my partner's never been as well, so it's just a, a friendly first place to go to to acknowledge the the beautiful world that's around us.
0: Yeah, mm.
1: yeah, everything.
0: tracks said <laughs> it. uh, it's yeah.
1: just the most amazing country yeah. culturally fascinating beautiful scenery uh, you know like you say incredible food it just overwhelms just you doesn't
2: yeah, it and yeah. you just there is such can't a, get enough yeah it's such a separate world really yeah.
0: thanks rebecca and trang for joining us today it's been a pleasure been great thanks for having us if you're enjoying this podcast make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and don't forget to leave a review it'll help others to find the series my name is katiki gupta